Welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative approaches. I'm your host, Dennis Weens, and today we're visiting about millennials and Gen Z who are leaving the Christian faith by the millions. Studies show that there's a gap between the young and the adults in the church. If the trend continues, more than one million youth in the American church today will choose to leave each year. This continues over the next few decades, up to 40 million youth raised in families that call themselves Christian are projected to no longer claim Christ by the year 2050. My guest today believes there's a way to prevent these young people from falling away from the church altogether. He is reimagining a new way to do church. So I want to welcome to the podcast Pastor Austin Wolford, who pastors a church. So Austin, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Dennis. It's a pleasure and an honor to get to share a conversation with you today. And absolutely, you know, we are on the precipice of decline, of unprecedented um, numbers here in millennial and Gen Z, people leaving the church. And I do believe that it does not have to be the case. So I'm excited to get to talk to you about how we can engage, reach, and form millennials and Gen Z in relationship with Jesus today. Well, I've been looking forward to this conversation and learning more about this fresh idea solution that you offer for this incredible uh, church dilemma, these staggering statistics on the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation. So let's start with the problem. How serious is this in the local church? It is a a serious problem. Um, You know, it's amazing to see God move around the world today, that hundreds of millions of Christians soon to be in China and India, hundreds of millions in Africa and South America. And at the same time as we're seeing God work and awakening around the globe, we're watching what feels like uh, the church dissolve in younger generations here in our own country, that has sent me on a journey of trying to really uncover what it would look like to contextualize faith for these tough to reach generations. And um, yeah, the church decline, the numbers are, are large and they're well-known. The study you have referenced a couple of times is the Pine Tops Foundation study called the Great Opportunity. There are a lot of voices out there who are able to name what they think is wrong with the church, but not many people presenting a positive way forward. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hope to do um, in, in my work and my, my research. So you're talking uh, you know, about the American church, but you reference some of these uh, countries. So this problem isn't only in the church in America. This problem exists uh, around the world, if I if I understand you right. Well, actually, you know what what my experience has been is that in the emerging world church, um, thinking the global south, more specifically, mm-hmm. that Christianity actually continues to grow exponentially, but we're experiencing the opposite effect here in our own country, which is a large decline of believers in emerging generations. So, if you think about I've looked at, at research out of Gordon Conwell that projects that by the year 2050, there will be more Christians on the continent of Africa than there will be people here in America, period. And at the same time, this Pine Tops Foundation study 
suggests that the American church will decline by 40 million people by 2050 as well. So in the next 30 years, the social and religious fabric of our country will be greatly eroded. The state of Christianity and um, the spiritual makeup of our country uh, will be have experienced a great decline unless um, tra- unless projections and trajectories are reversed here locally. So, yeah, I've been interested in, you know, what is the global church doing? <laughs> you know, how are they experiencing move, moves of God in the global south? And um, how can we join in with them here in America? This is interesting because uh, I work for Sat7, and we're broadcasters in the Middle East, and our vision is to see a growing church across the Middle East and North Africa. A big part of the church and what we're seeing is young people, so this is interesting. Help us understand the struggle of Gen Z and what their uh, their struggle or their identity, and how is the church missing what these young people need? Yes. Yeah, Gen Z is... Um Gen Z would be people born roughly between 1995 and the year 2010, and sociologists would sort of debate the exact timeline on that. But they are people who are early 20s in college through kind of middle school years right now. And for them, the number of the the, the percentage of Gen Z that identifies as agnostic, atheist, or none is growing. And has grown by a large amount over the millennial gener- generation and especially their parents' generation and, and the boomer generation. And so, yeah, what we're seeing is is Gen Z is choosing to no longer identify with the person of Jesus. And for me, um, my my experience is working on a college campus. It's working with young adults, people in their 20s who are exploring what identity they want to have in their adulthood. So people who have come out of high school um, have either entered the workforce or or entered collegiate studies and are trying to stabilize an adult identity. And so the question that I've been looking at is, why is it that in these people now being Gen Z in college, millennials, older 20s, -hmm. but but why is it that they're, they're maybe no longer choosing to identify with the person of Jesus? I think at its core, it's an identity question. Yeah, and, you know, this research from the Pine Tops Foundation, uh, they're talking about young people within families that identify as Christian families. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, people who maybe did identify as Christian before are no longer choosing to do so. Mm-hmm. And and why is that? I think it has a lot to do with how we form our identity. The philosopher Charles Taylor talks about expressive individualism and this being the way that we choose and live out identity. So this is the subconscious and and unchallenged identity-making narrative that most young adults believe today. And ultimately, I think most adults believe, whether they're aware of it or not, is expressive individualism. And that is that I am my feelings. And in order to be my authentic self and to live my true identity, I need to express what I feel. And whereas maybe a hundred years ago or maybe more communal cultures around the world today, identity is something that was given through uh, tradition, family line, uh, region, uh, institution, uh, government. 
we'd have national identities, regional identities, uh, religious identities, that, right. that type of thing that would help define us. Um, many of us, and especially young adults today, are saying, actually, I need to throw off the identities that are given to me through institution, something like religion, my church upbringing that I had in my childhood, to then discover who I am apart from those things, how I truly feel, and to live that out in my 20s in order to be my authentic self, in order to find my true true identity. And um, and I think many of us within the church, we've had friends or family members who have gone through that journey. I think a lot of us call that process deconstruction. That is somewhat of a, a buzzword. That is to take the belief in Jesus that was given to me in my childhood and to begin to p- pick that belief apart, doctrine by doctrine, to explore what I really think about that. And it's led us to many dinner table conversations, conversations uh, at coffee tables or in our homes with people who are saying things like, you know, I don't know that I can believe in a God who dot, 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 or I don't know if I can be a part of a church that believes dot, 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 or I don't know how to square my faith with the, the political expression that I see from, from within the church or, with what the Bible says about race or, or sexuality, those types of conversations are leading people, I believe, out of the church. And I think at the core, it's, it's people trying to work out their identity. Right. And the, is the church aware of this uh, problem? I have to assume that church leaders know of this, but maybe don't know how to respond to it. Absolutely. Yeah. The Pine Tops Foundation study isn't just dry statistics for us. You know, I think many of us within the church have painstaking memories, conversations that come to mind with people from our past and our present, whether they're friends or children or coworkers, where we watch have watched people leave the faith. And I think the big question is, what is our posture? What is our posture towards generations who are struggling to claim Christ <laughs> as a core part of their identity? You know, as you think about this uh, problem, this dilemma, what do you what's your message to the local church at a personal level so in just an individual one-on-one conversation level i've really come to believe that the apologetics that is needed in dealing with this church exodus people in their 20s is is almost an emotional um it's almost an an emotional sort of apologetic as opposed mm-hmm. to a truth-based or intellectual apologetic For many people, there's a pain point in their past that has caused them to question the existence of God, that has caused them to ask the question, do I want to continue in relationship with God into my adulthood? Either personal pain, they've experienced maybe moments where they felt abandoned by God, or pain within the, the church where it's caused them to question whether organized religion can be good. I look at Jesus' example in the book of Luke, how many times he eats meals with people who are distant from the church. You know, Jesus, who says, I, I came to uh, came, came not for the righteous, but for sinners. Um, I came, uh, the, the, the sick need a doctor, but the, the healthy do not. I look at those conversations that Jesus has with people who are far outside of the church. And I think that his is a ministry of presence. His is a ministry of an apologetic of, of love almost. And for people whose problems are less intellectual than they are emotional, I believe that a listening ear and an open heart and table to uh, continue in relationship with them is probably our, our greatest tool. 
Um, not that we need to forego truth, you know, or classic Christian doctrine. That's not at all what I'm saying. But I think the apologetics of the past, which has taught us to argue about doctrine or to convince people about doctrine, you know, it's still needed. But for people who've experienced pain and are choosing to leave the church, I believe that what's needed for them is much more an apologetics, an emotional apologetics, kind of an apologetic of love, a listening ear, a willingness to hear their story, a willingness to have compassion for them, a willingness to go on a long journey, relational journey on them where they can find um, home and spiritual belonging uh, with you. Uh, maybe even before they find it within the broader context of a local church. Yeah. I think spiritual friendship and spiritual parenting is of huge need for right. these generations exiting the church today. Yeah. You're, you're a pastor of a church, so you've experienced this firsthand, and you're on this journey to provide a fresh approach. Uh, how has this affected how you do church in your own local church? In hearing the struggles of Gen Z on the college campus. My wife and I, we did a tour throughout the Southeast and the Midwest to college campuses simply to pray with students. We'd lead, help to lead events where we taught on how to pray for a move of God on your campus. And then we would field prayer requests. What we heard, regardless of what university, large or small, public or you know, private liberal arts, regardless of state, the things that people were asking prayer for unanimously, anxiety, depression, loneliness, isolation, addiction. So essentially what we were hearing from people is I can't find anyone to go on a discipleship journey with in my local church, or I'm in church every week, but I'm struggling to connect with the people that I'm actually in church with. Or, you know, Austin, will you pray for me? Because I don't have any friendships or relationships and I'm struggling to actually find that whether on the campus or in my worshiping community. Coming out of, that was in 2019, right before the pandemic of 2020 that we did that tour. And so in seeing the wake of people leaving the church out of the pandemic, with, with all the tensions socially um, in that year, with all the tension within the church, it's not entirely surprising for me that there is such large numbers of emerging adults who left because there was not something for many of them beyond a weekly event that was anchoring them in their worshiping community and ultimately their faith, their relationship with Jesus. So Maddie and I, when we started, felt felt the call to plant a church in March of 2020. Uh, we knew that based on the stories and the testimonies and the prayer requests we'd heard within this generation that, that we wanted to start with house churches. We wanted to start with a community that worships, we wanted to start with intentional discipleship mm -hmm. um, as opposed to kind of traditional American church planting models. And we're not against those. We're not against traditional forms of, of church, but our unconventional experience on the college campus led us to our unconventional ministry model, which has been house church. So I pastor a rise church in Lexington, Kentucky, which is a network of house churches that are decentralized, but unified. We share a service that looks conventional the first Sunday of every month, and then worship happens in the homes every other Sunday of the month. So you have multiple families getting together for that fellowship in a home. That's right. Yeah. Every Sunday morning, we have three house churches that meet that are multi-generational, 25 to 35 people that gather for those. 
we also have a college house church that meets on Sunday and a high school house church that meets on Monday. And, um, and yeah, we are pursuing family like community together, but the family of God, um, sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in the faith. And um, we're learning to rely on each other as family and to build, to build communities of belonging where people who maybe are disenfranchised, people who may not feel like they have a place to belong in conventional church can, can come and uh, belong with us and can, can be formed deeply um, through the power of the spirit, but really with the tool of intentional discipleship community. So is this model attracting Gen Z groups or millennials, but more Gen Z? Yeah, it's it's a good mix of both Gen Z and millennials. So yeah, millennials now are right around ages 25 to 40. Right. And the majority of our church is is 40 and under. And we have like a handful of all-star, uh, you know, people in their 50s and 60s who are just willing to get in and get messy with us and um, absolutely love older generations. Um, but the call to be within a community that shapes you, a call out of kind of event-based um, worship attendance and into uh, a, a community where you're challenged to grow, where you're invited to share, where your participation is needed in prayer and in singing and in s- discussing the scriptures together, that is for an isolated generation there could not be something more intimidating than that call. But for people who are used to mediating their relationships through a smartphone or through a screen or who are used to having conversation through DM, text, and uh, voice messaging, there's also nothing that could resonate more deeply in their hearts as a felt need, something that they feel like they must have or else they are going to die of loneliness or relational starvation than the invitation into family-like community in that home. It's intimidating and it's also resonates so deeply within them that they feel like they must have it. And, and so I think it just, it hits um, younger, young adults just right in the sweet spot. And I love multi-generations. We absolutely welcome older spiritual parents into our community. Um, there's a uniqueness about the model that we're running that is is especially aimed at bringing young adults back home to the church. Another question that comes to mind is uh, it's crossing generations, but also is it crossing cultural boundaries and bringing other cultures into this Gen Z millennial uh, house church movement? Yes, absolutely. We do have, um, there, there is some diversity within our community. You know, here in Lexington, Kentucky, where I'm based, um, there are only 13% of our population are people of color. And that does provide some boundaries <laughs> or some barriers right. to, um, you know, cross ethnic community. Mm-hmm. But we're absolutely committed to going there. One of the things that's really beautiful about meeting around the table is it allows for us to have intentional, in-depth, nuanced conversations about our differences. And if we can really be committed to one another in following the person of Jesus, 
then it allows for us to um, have the type of civil connection (laughs) in that space um, to where our needs and differences can be voiced, heard, received, and, and worked through. And so I do think there's a really powerful, that the table is a really powerful tool for reconciliation. Right. Um, and it allows for people who think differently, uh, politically, racially, ethnically, to, to come together and to follow Jesus uh, together. We're allowed to have this common core commitment that keeps us unified while we um, honor and respect one another for our differences. Unified and decentralized church. Very interesting. And this isn't just an idea, a fresh idea, an innovative approach. You're actually living this out in your own church, house church movement, and you've studied it, uh, you've worked on it, and now you've uh, written about this in a new book that's coming out. Tell us a little bit about that book, Forged. Yes. I'm really excited about this book. It's called Forged, Young Adults and the Renewal of the Church. Young adults being people ages 18 through 30, the exact demographic we're talking about that has so, been so difficult to reach and form uh, with the person of Jesus. And the core concept is this, is that people in young adulthood experience fires of faith that are burning up their religion or their relationship with God. And there are unique elements to living life in your 20s and to stabilizing in an adult identity. You're dealing with transition. You deal with uh, the beginning stages of career and instability, not being self-sufficient. And also for young adults, they're, the, all the technology, uh, the social media, the, the way that we engage uh, each other, it creates barriers between God and these generations, between us and them, between them and one another. But my argument in this book is that if we can harness the power of family-like community, if we can curate communities of belonging within our churches and within our homes, then the very fires that could threaten to burn up someone's faith in their 20s can actually be used to weld people together, Mm -hmm. forge them together as two pieces of metal in a fire, um, together to one another, together to Jesus, and together to the church for for decades to come. Um, so, I believe if we can connect them to one another, it will bond them together in that decade of life in a way that could see our faith communities flourish for decades. I encourage our listeners to uh, check out that book. Um, where can they get a copy? Just on Amazon, or do you have other places where they can get this resource? You can absolutely find it on Amazon. You can also find it on the publisher's website, Seedbed, Barnes & Noble as well. So most places where books are sold, you you will find Forged. Okay, and we'll put uh, some of those links in the notes of this uh, podcast. Now, if somebody wanted you to come and explain this model to a group of churches, do you travel? Do you take uh, public speaking events? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, in, in various ways. So absolutely available to share. One of my passions is to see the local church flourish with these generations. I do believe that we are going to see a move of God in our day, that um, God has a plan for them and for the future of the church in our country. And however, I can ensure, encourage local pastors um, to effect, effectively engage these generations, I want to do so. Um, Tom Rayner recently heard him say that 
one of the number one reasons that pastors are ineffective is that they were trained to do ministry in a world that no longer exists. Right. One of my passions is to help pastors who um, are, are theologically solid, whose hearts are in the right place, and who are ready to be courageous, to understand the context of ministry with these generations. Um, I think that it's like fuel on their fire, and I, I want to see them be effective. Well, thank you, Austin. I appreciate you coming on to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast and sharing this fresh and innovative approach to doing church, especially for the millennial and Gen Z generations. And uh, if you want, I encourage you to reach out to Austin for more information, as well as pick up his book at one of the places that sells books and uh, read it and apply it and then share it with your pastor in your local church as well. So, Austin, thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks, Dennis. It was an absolute blast. Honored to be with you today. In our changing world, there are more ways than ever to do ministry. SAT7, as a broadcast media ministry, is changing how ministry is done. Through innovative approaches, collaborative efforts, broadcast satellite television, web streaming, and social media, SAT7 is making a difference. Visit SAT7 online today at sat7usa.org to learn ways you can be a part of this kingdom work. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. If you know of an unconventional ministry approach, please introduce us. We'd like to have them on as guests. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you.